Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f*** we want. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. Today we bring you a very special episode. We are broadcasting live again from Arena Dance Camp. And this talk is a part of one of the education blocks. This one is moderated by Lee J. Rosalon, who is a co-owner of the Kinjas. And uh, on the panel, we have the owners of the Kinjas. We have founders Mike Song and Anthony Lee, Lee J., John Shi, and myself. And on this panel, we talk about our own unique experiences through dance, how we found dance, and ultimately uh, what the turning point was for us to know that dance was something that we wanted to pursue professionally and ultimately to build the business that is now Kinja's. What I like about this talk is uh, knowing that each of us having a very different experience and even a skill set, ultimately, which is what makes our team very unique and we each bring a different dynamic to the table. We did a fun Q&A with our live studio audience and I think within that Q&A, uh, what we're even able to uncover is that everybody within their own personal journeys, though they may start with dance being the passion, they'll find different tools along their experience that may kind of shift their gears to kind of point them down, down different paths uh, within dance, whether that be management, whether that be uh, building community, whether it be networking, um, building brands, things of that nature. So it's really cool to kind of see how the, um, the differences that we all kind of had um, ultimately led us to where we're at today i think this is a really fun and insightful talk for anybody who's ever wondered uh how to turn their passion into a career um in particular with dance in this conversation and it's always fun being able to listen to uh, my friends and partners and hearing their stories and and hearing their experiences and um kind of also learning and also reinforcing what we're doing and why we're doing it so good fun talk so let's just jump right into it so my name is Lee J. Razlon, and um, I'm one of the co-owners of the Kinjas. We actually, you, you're, you are sitting in front of the five co-owners of Kinjas LLC, which is a uh, corporation here in, uh, based in California, started by the two ends over here, the founders of the Kinjas, Anthony Lee and Mike Song, um, and then... John Shi, myself, and Ben Chung um, entered the business, well, entered the group a few years later after the formation of the group, uh, but actually at the, close to the onset of the actual business. And so um, when I say business, um, how can I best describe this? Uh, Back in the day, in 2010, obviously Mike and, and Anthony created this uh, um, a group and they just wanted to have a lot of fun and they wanted to have some amazing life experiences with them and their friends. Not unlike many of you that are sitting here. Um, it took them about five years to figure out that they wanted to take it to the next level and turn it into something of um, from community and add a little bit and some commerce um, or business to that so that they can sustain this pivot in their life journey um, and working for themselves and working to build this community in such a way that um, they could be of service to their dreams, um, to their friends, 
and to all these people, um, fans, strangers, new friends, other businesses that they had no clue that they may ever meet, but um, a service to a mission that they had in their hearts. And so here we are, fast forward from that time when they officially formed their business four years later, and now Kinja's LLC also has um, about five other LLCs that are under this company. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, <clears throat> Kinja's LLC also co-owns and operates um, Arena, the dance competition, the Arena Experience. So that's this dance competition, the dance camp. Um, they also operate Kin Jam, which is the, the battle part of this. Um, we also have Kinesthetic, which is the clothing line um, and the merchandise and accessories that we sell. Um, there is also Kinja's Dojo, which is the dance instructional or the education in the studios. Um, what else am I missing here? Vibrancy, which is our uh, media agency. Anything else? Kinja's Holdings. Kinja's Holdings, which is a, a company that holds the intellectual property or the IP of Kinja's. And so, um, and, and that is one of those things for you as an artist um, that you will want to protect probably the most. Um, and that is your artistry, your mark, the, the signature, the thing that makes you and what you produce absolutely unique. That being said, um, before we kind of dive into this conversation, I wanted to actually rewind and open up this idea of like, when in all, each of your individual journeys, because we have Anthony and Mike and uh, Ben and John here who have very, very different backgrounds and perspectives and they grew up in you know different families to different environments went to different schools studied different um, topics when they went to school um, probably had just different trajectories in their in their own unique career path but I would I wanted to start off um, very close uh, and brief if you can about your origin story and when you decided that this this art this thing that you were creating Right, and this thing that you were pursuing, um, when you had, when was that moment? When was that time when your mentality had to to transition? Um, what was the thing for you that when you realized that you had to start thinking about this thing, not just as a passion, but also as a business? When was that for each of you? Popcorn. Let's go. What's up, everybody? How we doing? Everybody's like looking very chill right now. All right, so um, I my journey in dance. I'm trying to figure out the most concise way to put this, um, but I'll give you a brief lowdown. I started dancing um, in 2000. Um, Zero thoughts of business for a long time, obviously. I think if you're thinking about business when you first start dancing, there's something seriously wrong. Um, danced in middle school, high school, um, college. When I got to college, um, 
I was directing a team called Cobb Modern. I was also dancing with Culture Shock Los Angeles for a little bit. Um, and I was, uh, I was working as a teller at Bank of America at the same time. Um, but I never thought uh, at that time that I could... Um, I never had any aspirations of making da turning dance into a business. Um, but that was also because I didn't think it was possible. I personally didn't have any... Um, dreams towards um, dancing on a tour with an artist that just personally never uh, reached out to me so it was never a goal of mine because I didn't think it was possible uh, to dance for a living. Um, transition happened for me uh, when uh, Cabo Modern uh, got asked to do the first season of America's Best Dance Crew. Um, that, this was in 2008 which is 11 years ago now. Holy crap, that's crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, we did this TV show. We had no idea uh, what to expect, but um, we got some opportunities. So uh, while I was still going to school, we were um, performing and teaching um, internationally and domestically. And uh, that was when I started thinking, at least gears started turning like, oh, maybe I could do this for a couple of years. Um, but I just still didn't think that there was a possibility to grow it into something long-term. I think I've been force-fed by society and just timing and Asian parents to think that um, there's no way that this is going to be a long-term thing. Um, and so I just thought, okay, I'll do this for a couple of years and balance it with school um, and hopefully save some money so I can um, go get a real job. Um, Every year, I would make a deal with my parents, um, to, and I would be like, hey, let me do it for like one more year, and then that kept happening until like 25, um, and then by the time I was 25, um, I told my dad that I would, um, uh, that I would stop uh, unless something major happened, and then that year, I went, I moved to Vegas, and I danced in the Jabberwocky show, and that's when I reconnected with Ben. Um, spent about a little less than a year in Vegas, and then when I moved back, um, that inspired me a lot to um, uh, to just keep pushing uh, and extend my deadline of dance. Um, and so, before we get to Kinjas, because I know Kinjas is its own rabbit hole, personally, I, I realized that there was a lot of opportunities that were evolving just in this time period because uh, YouTube changed everything for dancers, YouTube and dance TV shows, because before that, it was literally just as a, as a hip-hop dancer, an urban dancer, um, just dancing on tour was pretty much your best means of, of making money. Uh, but with the, the advent of YouTube, social media, um, that changed everything because you, people got to see your art for what it was and you had a platform to share. And so um, in 2000, this was 2012 when I moved back to L.A. from Vegas. Um, I didn't really know uh, how to approach it because I knew that I didn't want to do auditions and just dance um, for other brands or anything like that. So um, I, I, used to get, I used to give private lessons to this guy named Bennett. Uh, he was in real estate, and our, our deal was that I would teach him dance lessons and he would um, give me career advice. <laughs> and this is our trade-off. Uh, and after our first meeting, he told me that um, uh, 
we, he had no idea how to advise me on dance. <laughs> and so uh, he just introduced me to everybody that he knew in any sort of industry that he felt was successful. And so um, I ended up just having a bunch of lunches and extracting, um, just learning life lessons from a lot of different people in different fields. Um, and I guess to finally get to Kinja's, um, that just ultimately, personally got me thinking about long term. Because I had survived thinking short term for about uh, like a eight years, I would say, professionally eight years working as a dancer. Um, and not having to, I didn't really go to auditions or anything like that. I just did it through teaching and, and getting work uh, via uh, my work online. But um, I think through talking to a lot of different people in different fields, uh, there was a realization that um, to do this in the long run, to create something long-standing, and I think even getting older, wanting to be fulfilled by something beyond um, dancing for uh, a commercial or something that you're just attaching yourself to somebody else's brand, um, there was a, a, a thirst that grew that um, ultimately led to... Um, the domino effect of Kinja's. That's all. Is that what you're looking for, Lee J? I don't know if I went too long. Yeah. I don't want to set the wrong uh, precedent right now. <laughs> nah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Not it. <laughs> ben or John? I'll go. Um, so... Uh, I, I was a very, um, I consider myself a late bloomer uh, in terms of like finding my, my life's passion. Um, I wasn't a very motivated, driven kid like growing up. I think I would say stuff like I wanted to be a lawyer when I was in elementary school just because my mom told me that what I was supposed to be, but I didn't even know what a lawyer was. I was like, I guess I'm going to be a lawyer because my mom says that's what I'm supposed to do. So I kind of just lived most of my childhood kind of with that mentality. All I really cared about was having fun. So like I would go to school, but you know, as soon as I got home, all I could think about was going outside to play and skateboard. And like, that was just, I was just a kid. And I kind of just lived that way pretty much all the way through high school. And um, I, I found dance in high school. I found it in like my junior, senior year of high school. And again, it was just something that I got into because I thought it was cool. Um, watched music videos, and I was like, oh, that looks cool, I want to do that, and it was just fun. And, um, and I never took school seriously, um, and then, you know, come graduation, where I barely graduated from high school, uh, a lot of my friends went off to, like, these four-year colleges, universities, and stuff, and I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to go to, like, a, a community college, no big deal, and then uh, when I got to the community college, I realized, like, oh, this is just another giant high school, like, I don't feel like I, like, uh, like you know made that next step in my life. There was no achievement there. And I was like, dang, this really sucks. So, and I'm over here hearing all these stories of my friends, like living it up in college. So finally it clicked with me where I was like, okay, the only way I'm going to get out of this is if I get myself out of this. So I was like, maybe I should start studying and taking school seriously. And so I did. And um, I was able to transfer from a community college to UC Irvine, which is where I uh, finished off my undergrad. But the cool thing about that to me, more than um, transferring to a, a four-year university or whatever, that gave me this sort of like vote of confidence for myself where like, oh, I actually can 
do stuff if I actually want to and if I actually care enough about it. And that was the biggest gem that I took from my whole college experience. And um, I don't necessarily think that college is for everyone, but I think, like I said, my biggest takeaway from it was learning that one, how to discipline myself to achieve something and, um, and to see it all the way through. And then I actually graduated with like a pretty solid GPA. I had like a 3.6 or something like that. And that was huge for me. I barely even had like a 2.0 like graduating from high school. So Sick. Um, that was kind of like a, a big achievement for me. So again, with dance being, um, I found it in high school. I was doing it all through college. None of that was a plan for a career. It was like, I just love doing it. Just like I said, skateboarding and all that was stuff that I just loved to do because it was fun. And um, when I graduated college, I graduated with a film studies degree, um, and I thought that was my path. Like, okay, I'm going to go into, like, film or TV because I have a degree in it now, and I guess that's, like, the natural next step. And, and luckily, I was able to actually land a job. I was uh, working at MTV just doing, like, PA work, which is, like, the very bottom level. You just come in, you're pretty much like an errand boy, but that's kind of how you get into the industry. Um, all the while, I'm seeing, you know, my friends. I, oh, I, I was in Papa Modern when I was in college. Um, I still was dancing on the team even shortly after I graduated, but it became hard to keep that up because I was, like, driving from Santa Monica to Irvine, like, twice a week, and that was, just became too much. So uh, I ended up um, leaving Cabo Modern just so I can, like, focus on one work. And then, two, I also wanted to see, like, what the next progression of dance was. Um, and I had a very defining conversation, and this is back in when there was AIM. I don't think there is AIM anymore. I don't think you guys use that. But I'm, I'm over here at MTV. I'm on my computer. I'm not supposed to be on my computer on AIM, but I'm having this conversation with J.D. McElroy, who is actually one of the Kinjas. He was, at the time, just killing it in the industry, just doing all... So he's dancing for Chris Brown, Usher, like, you know, all my idols, right? Like, all my dreams of, like, man, how cool would it be if I would be able to dance for these artists? He was doing it all. And I had this conversation with him where I asked him really simply, like, man, I want to do what you're doing, but I don't know whether that's smart. And he was like, well, like, the job that you're in right now seems pretty stable. I'm like, yeah, but, like, it's really time-consuming. I'm not really enjoying it. He's like, okay, well, if you want to pursue dance, it seems like you would probably you should probably pursue that now, find out for yourself now, rather than later. And he's like, if, this, if the job that you're in now is something that you can go back to later, then maybe just give this a shot. And I was like, wow, that was actually all that it took. So I was like, cool. So I took a chance on it. And I think, um, you know, going back to what I was talking about with my whole, you know, what I got from going to school and college and all that, was if I really want something, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And so... When I, you know, quit my job, you know, my mom obviously was like, you know, going crazy over here. Like, you have a solid job. Why are you quitting your job? And, you know, she did not support it at all. But, you know, I just had this sort of like, I don't have it quite figured out yet, but I'm going to make this work for me. And so, you know, I did all my homework of like, okay, what does an industry dancer need to be able to do? You know, like, you need to sustain a living. Well, how are you going to do that? It was like, well, you need to like either teach or you need to book jobs. 
So I was like, all right, let me get my teaching. You know, I, I got like a little, you know, dance choreography reel, slapped it together on VHS tapes back in the day when you guys probably don't know what that's, that is. But, um, and then, you know, getting my resume together to, um, I had some, you know, at the time, Fee from Jabberwockies, you know, he and I were friends. He was like, yo, man, I'll just walk you into my agency and, you know, get you signed up for an agent. So I kind of just took all those steps and it was fun. And I think uh, I was able to book some work but um, I think something at that time, even then, I was like, I don't think my life's goal is to be necessarily like an industry dancer. And then once that's done, just hang up my shoes and then go find another job. I'm like, I feel like there's something bigger with dance that um, I need to be a part of. And um, there was just a lot of serendipitous timing at the time. Jabberwockies, that started in 2003. Um, I got down with them in 07. And then, um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, America's Best Dance Crew season one, which Mike was also on with Cabo Mata, and that happened in 2008. So there was just a lot of things that happened with just like, you know, right place, right time. We got on that show, we won the show, and then all sorts of just new opportunities just opened up. And then, you know, fast forward to us landing a Las Vegas show in uh, 2010, and that was like a big thing, I think, for the dance industry because I think it opened up like kind of a new door for dance industry, not just like dancing behind um, an artist on stage or booking a commercial or getting into a movie, but like for the first time ever, uh, urban dance had a world stage and it was a resident stage in Las Vegas. And that to me was like, wow, we just like made a new little sector for the dance industry. And, um, and I always knew even from then, I was like, this is what I need to be a part of, something bigger than just me, something bigger than my individual dance career. And there's nothing wrong to say about anybody who goes to pursue their own thing. I think for me, it was just something that I learned that I prefer to do things in a team setting and building something uh, with a group of people with a like-minded vision. And so, you know, fast forward through all of that, I found like, okay, this is that unique space that um, I know is going to change the face of the world in terms of the way that dance entertainment um, is even going to have opportunity and how it's perceived. And then, you know, fast forward to Kinja's, um, what I saw, you know, Mike and Anthony, when they started it in 2010, I knew that there was a very special ingredient and there was a magic here that was very unique um it had its own legs it had its own its own you know face all of that and when i left vegas to come back to la in 2014 and i linked up with these guys and they kind of shared to me what their vision was immediately it wasn't so much of like um are is kinja's good enough or untalented enough. That was like already a given. I was like, what is the vision? Like, what is the, the why of, of what's happening for Kinjas? And, you know, from the brotherhood to the camaraderie to just their leadership alone and leading this, this group of guys who are essentially all just like, you know, leaders in their own ways. You know, they, they brought in people from, you know, leaders from the community. And to me, I was like, there is a special magic ingredient here that I'm like, this is going to, again, change the world and change the face of dance and dance business and dance entertainment. So again, I think going back to my childhood thing, it's that I needed to know for myself 
what do I care about? Because if I actually care about it, I will stop at nothing to make sure I achieve it. And the, the great thing too that I learned along the way is that um, it's okay to know that I'm not going to achieve it by myself. I'm going to achieve it with the best team and the best people around me. And so that's literally these guys here to the left and right of me and the rest of the Kinjas who are not here. But um, that is my story. Not brief, but thorough. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. All right, I'll go next. Uh, I'm John. I'm actually not a dancer, not a professional dancer. I danced as a hobby in high school and college, and I grew up on the East Coast. So I was completely removed from this, where did these guys come from, all, all four of them. But my first... Uh, my first interaction with that was like watching them on ABDC or watching like BC1 um, and then YouTube was huge so um, I found the Kinja's first performance I, I knew who these people were before I uh, I moved out to LA uh, actually my final semester of college was an LA program and the thing that drew me to LA uh, one of the main things was this urban dance thing happening. It was like, this is really cool, and I want to be part of it. Um, and I knew that my, my path would not be a professional dancer, but I also had different skill sets that I felt could be applied. Um, so I, most of my work is media-based, so it's like uh, videography, photography, graphic design, and that's essentially what I do for Kinjas now. Um, and Anthony at the time worked for a clothing brand that I signed up for the street team to help with the marketing. Um, and he, he was the one that like accepted my application. <laughs> um, so I had that one little connection with him and then contacted him when I moved out. And I think that's not to tell your full also, when Anthony started to take his personal dance career more seriously, um, so we had a lot of synergy in like where we were at at that point in time, like 2012, and um, we just worked together a lot. We, you know, shared our talents and worked really hard to to build things. Um, and so I think. I guess perspective-wise in terms of like business and being business-minded, um, I, I think it was always, in a way, I was always thinking about that, like from the get-go, because I came out of college, moved to LA to figure out how to make a living. But I knew that the direction would be probably a little bit um, like atypical, a little bit strange. Um, it's not like there's a real... Uh, defined like pathway for like dance videography that's not a real thing still not like a big thing but I realized that that's a niche because I understand music I understand movement and so that gives a little bit of a distinct perspective when it comes to um, like if you look at work from different directors or different uh, you know producers or whatever um, I think our work uh, most of vibrancy, most of the people have some kind of a dance background, 
And so that's why our niche kind of stems from that. And um, hopefully it shows in our work. And I think that's why like the development of that in this like YouTube era, while dance is being pushed um, in, in this direct form, like straight from the dancer to your screen, they're displaying what they want and hopefully we're, we're showcasing it the way that it's meant to be versus like through all the steps of like um, political like TV show narrative or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's it. Perfect. Sick. I know you guys came in a little bit late. You guys want to like sit on the bleachers if it's more comfortable anywhere or feel free to stay there and stare at whatever works. <laughs> All right. John, John forgot the part where he uh, invented the front row. The what? <laughs> if you guys watch like any dance competition videos online, there's usually like an angle that's really close to the stage and it's moving side to side. Uh, I started doing that when I was the media director at World of Dance, and I, I guess I was the first. <laughs> he invented the front row. Hey, Yay. Oh, let's go. <laughs> hey, you remember the old dance videos, though, right? It would always be, like, super wide so you could see all the formations. And it made a lot of sense if you were just trying to, like, understand what was happening on stage. But it wasn't like, like, dance is so much a feeling as it is a visual sometimes, too, especially in a team format. So you want to, like, feel the energy and the best way to do that was they just figured why don't we just put the camera up close where like if you were sitting in the front row it would be a lot better of an experience so I remember that, that was mind blowing at the time and now it's like standard standard 4K shot on iPhone 11 it's called right. the John Shee effect ooh like the Ken Burns of the John Shee, anyways um, alright dance is a business, here we go um, my name's Anthony and uh, I was also a late bloomer, I started dancing in college. I ended up joining uh, the B-Boy Club and then CADC, so I was like competing with Kaba, usually getting smoked. And, um, and I, I was living with Mike, so it, it was always such a fun and prime time to discover YouTube together. I remember when our first video that I shot, this like Chris Brown music video thing that we did. I remember when it had like 150 views, we were looking at each other like, the freak, I don't even have 150 friends, man. Um, and then when it hit 1,000, I was like, this is crazy. And, and 5,000 was the most viral thing that could happen at, on YouTube when we had started. So, um, yeah, when, when YouTube changed the game, when he says that, like, it was a real thing. Um, and I think I was just one of those people that took advantage of the time that I was in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that was a new thing. And because I started dancing late, it was like a hobby for real. After I graduated, I, I didn't think about dancing full time. I ended up doing a sales job where I was going like from businesses to businesses, like selling shit um, in a suit. And I was like hella good at it. So I was like making a lot of money. But at the same time, like it was the worst thing in the world. Because like if I ran into you, you guys wouldn't be human beings. You guys would be dollar signs. And if you weren't going to buy my stuff, I'd be like, get out the way. You know what I mean? Um, but it taught me a lot. T teaching yourself about sales, teaching yourself about the numbers game, teaching yourself about like what it means to confront people and like to figure out whether or not like that was a pathway for them. Like it, it was a huge lesson. Uh, and even when I quit that after doing Ombu Black Ops in 2010 and realizing that my life was like not about sales all the time, um, it wasn't to quit and go dance. Uh, I ended up 
getting uh, scouted out for, or before that, I ended up going to a tech company for my friend, and I was working in internet telephony, kind of like Vonage, where you're using voice over IP, and I was doing like tech support for customers. People call in and be like, I have problems with my internet telephone service, I'll fix it. It's crazy, huh? I know. It's the most exciting part of my life. Did that for like a month and a half, then I got recruited to go work at this clothing company, um, originally for sales, but then when he realized what I was capable of doing, um, my boss at the time ended up making me the marketing director because he knew I was still connected to a lot of influencers, a lot of dancers, knew that I liked to put myself out there in an in a artistic way, um, and I learned a lot from that as well. So I feel like before I even thought about dance as like a business, I was fortunate enough to get like higher education in college, and I was also a film major, so I, I loved the perspective of film, uh, which is, I ended up making YouTube videos. Uh, sales was huge for me to learn. I feel like at the end of the day, if anybody really wants to like learn how to make money, sales is a great place to start. You'll probably hate it, especially if you're here right now. You're like a, a creative person. You'll probably hate it. But um, and then I went into marketing and 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 tech. So all of that combined, I feel like set up a line, a, a little cocktail of what helped create whatever this this imperfect thing is and. Uh, it wasn't until um, actually the company uh, or, or things happened in a certain way and as business does and different things, whatever, the economy was going super, blah, blah, blah. I actually ended up getting laid off uh, in a totally amicable way, but it was like a really rectifying life situation. Like you guys ever been like, anybody here ever been like fired or laid off? Me neither. Yeah, uh, I got like laid off and uh, man, there is nothing more humbling than going back to your college, like uh, to your, your resume, you know what I mean? Where you're trying to apply for jobs and you look at like the last like two, three years of your life and you feel like you haven't done shit. You know what I mean? Like you just feel like you're a square one again. And not only that, but like you're trying to fill out your, your application for a bunch of places. This is back when like you would, I don't know how you guys do it now, but this is back when you go on like monster.com, things that where you would send out your applications to a bunch of different business places. Oh my God, I would hate the idea of being like, this is the way to get a job. But as I'm like answering questions, I would sit in interviews, I'll get interviews and be like, why do you want to work here? And like in, in my heart, I'd be like, I don't want to work here at all. Or like, it's like, why do you want to work here? Money. You know what I mean? Like, it, it had nothing, but you wanted to, like, find the real right answer in order to get a job. Uh, and it was, there's nothing wrong with it. It just didn't feel right. I think maybe because I was also blessed and cursed to have friends like Mike, who was, like, going around the world in his own name, teaching and, like, living up dance in a way that the world had never seen before. Like, dude, where'd you just go? He's like, oh, Slovenia. I'm like, what the freak is an Asian guy like you doing in Slovenia? You know what I'm saying? Like going out there teaching classes and stuff. And, and it would be, he took me to Croatia once. I assisted him. I didn't really assist him. I just got like a free job. But he like took me out there and it just blew my mind because I was like, I can't believe people can do this with their artistry. You know what I mean? Um, and and maybe, maybe getting a taste of that really screwed me up at that time. And I was like, I don't, man, I don't want to do this anymore. So in my frustration of like trying to apply for jobs and all this stuff, um, my stress relief was like dancing and like choreographing because I, I thought that was the only thing that like nobody could tell me I was doing right or wrong. It was just my own thing. Um, granted, I was also broke now because I didn't have any money. 
my girlfriend also just, we just broken up, so I was like also like slightly really, really, really uh, sad, but we're not gonna talk about that. Uh, but I was at this super low that actually uh, helped me create uh, real art for myself. That was, that was my escape. And I had no money, so I, I was like, I might as well teach a class. So I started teaching, and I remember, I remember when I was getting like 20 bucks for a class, yo. Like, this was the illest thing. This was like gas or a meal or like a fourth of my cell phone bill. You know how you like start segmenting stuff like compartmentalizing your dollars like that? No? All you guys get stuff paid for? That's cool. Um, and, uh, and so I started, I started doing that and I started realizing, man, I, I, even though I'm not making a ton of money, I was like, I had real joy because like the thing I was getting paid to do was go out to places and like connect. And like people would go to me and be like, man, that was really inspiring. And I'm like, man, you didn't even have to pay me for that one. Like that, I would have just done that for free. And I was like, oh, okay, this is totally something that I would do because I really enjoy it. And, and thinking about how to chase that was way more fulfilling than going back to monster.com and trying to apply for another spot that I didn't want to work at because it said something like salary and benefits. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I had this really pivotal moment where I like sat down with Mike, number one game changing conversation. I was like, hey man, like do you think, you think I could do this for a living? He's like, yeah man. I was like, what the, f okay. I was like super confident. He's like, think about it like this. There's people out here that work their whole like their lives off they're like moved from other countries they work super hard to get the opportunities that you know in dance that you already have gotten some people don't even have those opportunities so like if you really want to try you just got to try it and then I was like will you help and he's like of course and that was that's all I needed and after that I stopped applying for jobs and I even told my family I'm like I'm gonna go for it so I picked up like weekly classes at your neighborhood studio in Culver City and I just said I would grind as hard as I can and I literally didn't look back. The only thing that I could take to, to bed at night and feel good about was I'm not gonna be a better choreographer or artist than the person sitting in front of me. Like you guys might be way better artists and dancers than me. And it wasn't about who's better. But I was gonna tell myself, if I could work harder than all of you guys combined, then you can't, you can't say anything. I'm gonna outwork everybody in the field. And I remember I was like, the only way I knew to do it is I was like, I'm gonna make more YouTube videos than everybody. I'm gonna teach more classes than everybody. I had this rule for myself when Instagram just started that when people were posting things on Instagram but them having a good time, like that was time for me to get up and train. That was like my rule. I remember one time, I don't think she'll ever know this, I think I saw like a photo of like Jekka. You guys know Jekka? She was at like Disneyland or something like that. So I was like, fuck, I gotta get up and work. So I ended up choreographing like Tessellate, I think, after I saw like a Jekka Instagram post. And <laughs> And that was like a rule that I set for myself because I didn't know how to be better than anybody. I just knew how to work harder. And that was like a business mentality that I received from all the things I had prior, whether from sales or, or from my marketing or from my tech stuff. So like that was, that was how I took the concept of dance and I understood it in the business form pre-Kinja's. And at that time, my only goal in life was to teach at Urban Dance Camp in Germany. Anybody familiar with that camp? I was like, dude, this is my biggest goal. And the crazy thing was like three months later, I got an email saying I could go teach at Urban Dance Camp. I was like, oh my God, I need bigger goals. Because <laughs> that was it, you know what I'm saying? So like that was, that was kind of the start of it all. I, that was all I knew how to do. I knew how to work. I knew how to create. And I knew how to put myself out there. And I was like literally still, I think, all I do today, even realistically. Yeah, that's me.
Want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Meister Watches. They are truly masters of their craft. From quality materials and masterful timepieces to functional lifestyle accessories for the movers and shakers of the worlds they collide with, Meister is doing it. They've collaborated with some of the biggest brands in sports, music, comic book, car culture, and pop culture. We've actually had the pleasure of collaborating with them on a timepiece a few years back. I rock their ambassador watch. This one's my everyday watch. This one's my favorite. They are for our culture and for those that are on a constant mission to master their craft. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and pop in the discount code KINJUSPOD to receive 25% off your entire purchase at checkout. And this discount is exclusive to the Kinjas podcast. You won't find this discount anywhere. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and rock with the illest. This show is officially brought to you by Kinesthetic. Hop on the store.kinjas.com and plug in the promo code podcast spelled with the K at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. We're always trying to bring you guys the illest gear for all your movement in the shadows needs. Follow us on Instagram at kin.aesthetic. Like us on Facebook at kinesthetic brand. To, so, to, to kind of summarize, I'm, I'm trying to pick like, the, and I, ideas that that are fluent through all these stories, and I could. And one one thing is factually clear. Literally, ten years ago, none of you would have said like, "I want to do this dance thing as a business and as a career for the, for potentially the rest of my life." And that's like, I, you could say that, right? For and sure. you guys have definitely been alive more than. <laughs> 10 years, right? I'm 17. <laughs> um, Asians age well. So, I, I, and I think another thing that kind of rang true was there was a point somehow, some way, um, where like the vision for this passion or the vision for this art and your particular voice or role in it had, um, had some type of a clarity. So, with that being said... Um, the question that I'd like to ask next is, um, what is the vision now and for the future of dance for, for that you see? While they take time to kind of think about that, I'd love to open this up for you guys as well to ask questions. So if you do have a question, just in the middle of it, if I'm, as I scan like, just raise your hand or make eye contact with me, and I'll, I'll make sure that we get a mic to you so you can ask a question. So I have, I have a, this is going to sound extremely deep. I want to stand up so I can make it more dramatic. Let's go. I got to wake myself Let's up. Let's go. This is my coffee. Hold on. Shh, wait. Thank you. All right, so what was the question? <laughs> The vision. The vision. The vision. What is the vision, the vision. now we'll and for we'll the future? Okay, so I feel like uh, everybody's familiar with like the second the internet hit the world and social media was everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Honestly, I felt like I started seeing a lot of terrible stuff in the world. Anybody feel that? Like a bunch of stuff. And I remember getting checked one day because somebody was looking at me and was like, this is how the world's always been. You just see it now because it's public. And I was like, oh my God. You know, I was so spoiled. I'm like such a West Coast born in, I was born in Orange County. What's up? You know what I mean? Chilling. Um, and, and everything, 
everything in my life, at the end of the day, no matter how like rough I thought it was, because my parents came over here from like the Vietnam War and stuff like that, somebody else in the world might have experienced something way, way crazier. And it's still, you know, I'm looking at the things that are going on in like, you know, South America. I'm looking at the things that are going on in the Middle East, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, that, like there's so much terrible stuff, right? And dance was this really weird thing that uh, we started experiencing that like had so many like elemental properties and fundamental concepts of goodness attached to it. Like we've been sitting in this room right now, like only like nine of you guys are from California, six of you guys are from San Diego that isn't in California for some reason. Um, and a bunch of people started coming here from like different places of the world. I'm looking at people from different countries here, uh, of I'm sure different religious backgrounds with different upbringings. I'm sure some of you guys are rich as hell. Congratulations to you and your parents. And I'm sure some of you guys have, have a big struggle when it comes to things like finances in your family. You know, just like my family had a hard time coming up. And it's like the thing that brings us into the same space full of like love and passion is like dance. And I started learning that a lot when I was traveling. Because I would go to these weird random countries or these underserved communities. Or I was working as a director with Culture Shock Los Angeles where our entire focus was about like using the power of movement and art to like give self-worth, you know what I mean, and dignity. And it's like, wait a minute, dance is like literally food for the soul that's like good in the world. So when I realized that like a bunch of the stuff you see online is like tough stuff and the, the one thing that I'm like practicing in my daily life is, is food for everybody's soul, actual like life positivity, it, it felt way more purposeful and it felt like a mission, like a divine pathway, if you will, where it was like, it's maybe my job to go out there and share as much love and light as I can in the same platforms that people are sharing as much darkness and hate. You know what I mean? So when I talk about today, the vision, I feel like the vision is very purpose-driven. It's not necessarily like, we're going to change the scope of dance by introducing new and definitive ways of like doing dance education. We're going to have the illest dance competition in the world or the coolest clothing. I think that those are byproducts of a way more foundational concept of connecting the world through positive light and imagery versus just the regular shit that you see online. Does that make sense? So like, I'm a student and a humble child of something that I think is powerful and positive and, and, and I'm just trying to do my part as like a soldier of this war between good and light, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to take a stance and I'm down to be a soldier uh, for good versus sitting on the sideline and seeing what happens. Mike. I will share a thought as well. Um, you know, as I'm, I'm like circulating your question in my brain, I'm realizing that it's even my answer right now is, is a bit different from how I'm, I might have answered it last year even, or a couple of years ago because uh, um, we've all mentioned how things are evolving so much. Um, like for us, that big uh, uh, evolving tool was YouTube and social media when that was new, but that's, that's just normal now. So now when I, I genuinely think about it and the future of dance that I see and uh, at least any opinion that I would want to share, um, and I look at you guys and I'm like kind of guessing the age range as well. Um, honestly, I feel like now is a more a time than ever to, um, to go full force in 
either artistry or straight up the business of it, rather than um, I think our generation had to and still is figuring out so much of a balance between figuring out how to create a business, how to create longevity while balancing being an artist. And I think that um, because there are people and there are going to be people that will focus on that, and this is an evolving time, I do honestly feel like um, your guys' generation should just go full force artist and don't even worry about the business of it. And that could sound like contradictive a little bit, but I, I genuinely feel that because um, now more than ever, because dance is evolving, there are going to be pathways and you will find those ways. And I guess the duality I have next to just focus on your art and make amazing work is meet as many people as possible. That's, I think, the only other possible thing we do to ourselves as dancers is that to get as improve as much as possible, you go deep down the rabbit hole and you stay in this community. And that's great. And you should always be deep in the community. But staying in any rabbit hole for too long cuts you off from the outside world. And dance is still such a tiny thing on the scope of the rest of the world. We're like archery or something. No disrespect to archery. But in our minds, dance is like everything and everybody. Why? But like you... archery, like everybody knows archery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know this what kid, I mean? right, he could pick up a bow and arrow. He's going to be good. You don't need to like take master classes yet. You know what I'm saying? Dance is small, y'all. Yeah, like exactly. Like I feel like all of us have had moments still where like, Maybe you question, you see something dance-wise, you're like, how is this so popular? How? But it's like, because dance is small. The way it reaches the outside world is still so limited. So I think um, what I'm trying to get to is I'm still sticking to, like, my thought of, like, just work on your art, but meet, like, understand that only rabbit-holing and staying in your world also will keep your art hidden. You know what I mean? But as long as you just constantly break out of your cycle, meet people in different social bubbles. I think that's one, hands down, that's the most, I already know from talking to all of us, the best thing all of us got out of college wasn't the college education. Um, it, was, it was being able to break outside of our normal social settings and the connections that we made and um, through that. And I hate the word networking, so I don't want you to think networking, just break out of your bubble. Talk to people, that like you don't normally talk Like networking to. comes with a connotation like you're trying to get something out of yeah. it sometimes, you know yeah. what I mean? Whereas just the connection itself is what you're supposed to receive. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, I would say just focus, focus on your art. We're in a time where someone will find you, but they're only going to find you if you make the effort to just meet and, and get outside of your bubble, even for yourself. You're just, it's going to be more fun like that anyways. Um, and I guarantee, I guarantee your talent will be magnified to the people you meet outside of your bubble. In the dance world, you could be okay. You could meet a homie outside that could transform your life and they look at your dancing and they're like, damn! And your life could be changed forever. But it's literally just uh, not staying in the bubble. Uh, and I think that goes with any field. Um, and if any of you guys here are maybe not wanting to pursue dance in that way, but you want to um, work with dance, Whatever that is, then go full force with that too.
You know what I mean? If you want to be a videographer or if you want to aid in management or event producing, there's, it's such a, um, it's 360. All the things that help support any sort of art form can be applied to dance. So, um, yeah, just go full force. I think now in the balance of life, um, I think just balance your life with who you connect yourselves with, but go full force in your skill set. Yeah. That's all. That's mad inspiring. I think uh, the the vision now, like Mike said, is is different from I, I would say even two years ago. The conversations happening, the the things that are taking place. If you guys aren't aware, uh, breaking is now going to be in the next Olympics. And that's a massive, massive change. Woo. Took long enough. Took long enough. Um, the conversations with big organizations, big companies, like they probably wouldn't have talked to us before, but we're talking to some big companies now, and they're literally asking us, like, okay, what is this? What is urban dance? What is, wh what is it that you guys are doing? Um, there's more recognition that it's, a, it's an athletic activity, it's a sport, and there's also more recognition of it as an art form. And the truth is, it's both of those things, as you guys know. Um, and that's, it, it's hard for everybody to grasp because dance, I think, is a, it's such a full art form. It requires your vision. It requires music. You, like, to, to appreciate dance, you have to, like, really fully experience it. You can't just, like, listen to the song, you know what I mean? Like, that's not, that, that's only part of it. So it's not something people can do passively. So it takes more for people to get into it. But once they do, they find that this is actually really great entertainment, really great um, source of inspiration or whatever it is for that person. Um, and so, yeah, like the vision of it now, uh, as Mike is saying too, it's like work on your craft. Um, really, I guess, Focus on what makes your craft your craft, too. Like, don't worry about, like, the social media stats. Don't worry about, like, the most viral dance, like, this week. It's not going to matter in five years. You know, like, Instagram might disappear, like, MySpace Tom or something. I heard that in some countries they've already taken out likes yeah. in favor of advertisements. So imagine all your likes could be gone forever. And mean nothing. Yeah, but the great thing is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, just work on your craft because that's the best, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. You know, like, if, you, if you're really that dedicated to it, you'll find a way. Like, whatever that way is in two, in three, in five years, in ten years, if you're dedicated enough, you will figure it out. Ben? Uh, yeah, I think um, uh, I, I agree with everybody uh, here, and I think um, I, I, I kind of have a, though I agree, I think I kind of see things in a slightly different light. Um, I feel like with uh, where dance is now, um, I, I kind of parallel it with what skateboarding is, and like when I was a skater when I was growing up, that was not a thing other than like only punk kids. Like it was not considered a sport. There's no X Games. 
and it was just like a, a, a hobby. And, you know, obviously fast forward now, it's a legitimate sport. It's also going to be in the Olympics, you know, and there's full-on X Games and there's SLS, like street skateboarding league and all that. So what I'm trying to say is that it took skateboarding such a long time for it to be, one, respected and recognized as a legitimate sport. And, um, and now it's super commercialized, right? I mean, we all, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people here maybe been wearing skateboard shoes and you may not even know it and like wearing clothes that are started as skateboard brands. And, and that, that took a really long time for it to get there. And I, I look at dance kind of following a very similar trajectory where it was just like, oh, that's something people do as a, as a hobby. And I think, you know, with things like the TV shows, the dance competition shows that kind of give it the visibility um, and, you know, for shows and, and, you know, for camps and, um, you know, bigger brands kind of looking in into this little subculture and be like, oh, there's a lot of interesting things going on over there. Um, and they're actually um, looking at it in a way where they actually want to get in on the action. I think now dance is slowly getting to that space where it's now in the Olympics and it's going to, you know, urban dance is getting looked at in a different way. So it's in a very uh, similar vein in that way. And I think that's an exciting thing. And um, so though I do think, yeah, absolutely focus on your craft. And, but the beautiful thing about that too is that um, everybody's craft can be different, even though it can be in dance. Like, you know, somebody, some person's goal may be to be the best dancer in the world and to book and to be able to do any any choreographer's choreography to the T. Some people may want to be a choreographer. Some people may want to be a director. Some people may want to learn how to do dance management. I don't know. I mean, the thing is that like, and I think this is what John was talking about is that um, it takes a little bit of time maybe for you to hone in on specifically what your talent is. Though right now I'm sure all of us will just be like, it's just dance and that's great. And I think like even when you look at, um, you know, from what uh, John was talking about with vibrancy, people who have had a background in dance but may have shifted gears towards other things. And, you know, even within the Kinja's organization, there are people who work within our organization that have had a background in dance at some point. Um, but they may not necessarily, you know, perform on stage or dance in front of the camera, um, but are still very much involved in the dance business and the culture and, and pushing it forward. So um, I think... Um, with that too, like, though it's not necessarily go out there and network because that's the way to do it. Um, some people actually love doing that naturally. Like, I personally love connecting with people. And, like, I know there are people who are like, oh, I hate networking because it's so awkward. I'm like, I actually love it because I love meeting people and I love interacting. And that's just something that's, like, natural for me. So I think if you don't personally like doing something, fine. Don't do it. Focus on the thing that you really love doing and that you're really good at. But then if you want to build some sort of like a business for yourself, um, like, I, like I emphasized before, it's really, really hard to do that by yourself. So as you kind of traverse through this community and as you meet people dancing on teams, coming to conventions and, and workshops and all that, you'll, you'll meet people along the way. But then if you find people that like, oh, wow, this person's really good at that thing that I'm really not that good at, you know? And then if there's some sort of natural chemistry and connection there, like, like, hold on to those things. Not to say you necessarily have to work with that person or people, but those are the types of things that you should be kind of on the lookout for. It's like, what do I need to, to get to this place that I want to go? And who, like, who also wants to go there? And, like, how do we do that together? You know what I mean? I think that's something to kind of, like, 
be open to. Yeah, it's it's totally gonna take a village, right? Because like, I mean, everybody, not all you guys are gonna be professional dancers. Like that's absolute truth. But that doesn't mean you're not gonna be all absolutely successful. You know what I mean? Doing what you want, and it doesn't mean you're not all gonna all be successful in dance. You look at this group of people right here. Like these five that are sitting right here, like yeah, we run all those businesses and whatnot. But um, these two never even get on the stage. You know what I'm saying? And, Yo, and, and I haven't stepped into a dance class like for the past ten years Legion. plus. But He's, I talk about dance ninety percent of the day. <laughs> talk it's, about it. Is it well, granted? He's also. He was also like the Asian dude in the silhouette OG iPod commercials. You remember those old ones that was just silhouettes? Like this guy was like killing the industry back then. And he still got a career in dance today without, like you said, stepping into a dance room for 10 years. You know what I mean? So like everybody here can still be super connected and, and can still be within the dance world. And you can still be very, very dedicated to your passion. But maybe some people here aren't actually dancing or choreographing or performing. Maybe you guys are, like they said, um, like, you guys know Coco from Sino Stage? Anybody familiar with Sino Stage? AKA half the reason why we're all even sitting here. They're, they're co producers and founders of both Arena and the Kindred's Dojos out in China with us. Like, this chick Coco, crazy amazing business person. She used to be a dancer in China, and, and now she doesn't, she rarely dances. It's like an honor when she like, gets into my class and like, learns some choreography just for fun. But she's hanging out with the illest dancers in the world all the time and connected to them with deeper connections than some of the people that dance for those choreographers because of like the, like the genuine way that she knows how to play a part in, in, in this world. And I believe that when I look around at some of the people here, I see the same thing. Again, you guys might not necessarily be the ones at freaking Madison Square Garden, you know what I mean, closing out a New Year or, or giant tour performance or whatnot, but you might be the person who's organizing that entire thing in the future. You might be the person who's booking the artists. You guys might be the people, shit, you might be the babysitter of the artist's kid. I don't know. You know what I mean? But the point is, like, that's, that's where a lot of that plays. All of us are supposed to find what we care about the most because that's the thing that we're going to be working hardest at. And all of us also need to accept that it takes a village to do what we all want to do. And you might not find that by yourself. And maybe that's exactly why we can segue to the concept of what even, like, Kinja's is. Kinja's was not just about like, let's bring the illest dancers together that coincidentally are predominantly Asian American. That, that had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? We were, we were just literally like, we wanna, we wanna do some crazy stuff and we need a, a dope team to do it. And it wasn't always just about dance. You know what I mean? We got, we got two Deveras in right here with her kids. She's a mom of two. Happy birthday, Woo! Riley. Happy birthday, Riley. And she's the one who throws <laughs> She, she's the one who organizes and throws our arena dance competition, you know, and facilitates this entire thing. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you didn't know, she's a, she's a female. <laughs> and a full-time mom of two. But she's, in, she's on our team. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to let everybody know that, like, at the end of the day, the even reason why we're even sitting here talking about dance as a business or brand is not to be like, yo, dance is your business. Like, you're supposed to be a dancer. But, like, if you're sitting here, it's because you're connected to this thing. You care about it. So find what you care about the most and figure out how you want to turn that into something that can be sustainable or long-lasting. And it doesn't have to be as a performer. Me, I actually get way more excited about my future in dance than where I'm at right now with it. I'm, like, super lucky to have been, like, able to do so many amazing things and see so many crazy stages and countries around the world. But I'm really, really excited about what the future of my dance career is when I'm not moving. Because I know I'm past my physical prime. 
I mean, I, maybe that's like a terrible thing to say, but I feel like I'm past my physical prime, but I'm so excited about what like the journey and the network has given me to do what I really, really want to do with my, my career. And I, I really look forward to being like a creative director who's not necessarily touching the, the stage, but getting to breathe life into it through people like dancers. And dancers in that time frame will still be one piece of the ingredient. Because I'm, I'm going to be working with stage directors and lighting producers and musicians and composers or singers. And, like, dancers will be an element. I'm super excited that, like, through dance I learned this industry. But, like, that's not, that's not the, the end for me. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I just want everybody here to be encouraged at, at, in terms of where they're at with their journey. But it's a really, really big world out there. And you have a huge role to play in it. You know what I mean? You guys are you guys, you're going to change the world. And I'm, like, super excited for that. I agree. <laughs> I think uh, one one thing that Anthony is talking about, in and one and a and a bottom line foundational thing that I want every I hope everybody walks away with this is that there is this mentality that comes with being a dancer, like every ounce of investment of like energy that you guys are putting into um, hanging out with friends, dancing in front of your mirror at home, coming here to class um, at your local studio or coming to camp or just sharing the videos, you know, all that like DNA that you're developing right there, like there's so many layers to the mentality and and the life of a dancer. And so so for someone like Anthony, for instance, can say like, wow, the horizon, the horizon seems way brighter to me than even where I'm at right now. And I could do this without even dancing. You know what I mean? How ironic is that? How, how unorthodox is it? But yet those that like follow anime or those that understand like the life of like the super O heroine, it's like to do the thing without doing it at all, Right. Then you're like ether. Then you're like a spirit. Then you're like legacy. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like the beautiful thing is with dance, and and everyone can attest to this in this room. Um, there are um, as niche as this community is, as like let's say small in the in in the world. I believe because of what, what um, John kind of alluded to, um, it demands everything out of a human being. Like, it demands your soul. It demands your eyes, your ears, your physical body, like, your energy, your strength, your stamina, your everything, right? And there is this common language that just dancers just get from other dancers, you know what I'm saying? And so no matter if you're like an account like a, an accountant that took dance classes when they were a kid, I guarantee you they think about accounting um, as a dancer. As a manager, and when I do business deals, I'm like, man, I, I'll work like all these people. I don't care if it's like a lawyer that I'm talking to, another manager, an agent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like... Man, they don't, you know what they don't have? They don't have, like, the mentality of a dancer coming into this boardroom. You know what I mean? Like, and, and even for, for John and what he's talking about with, with, with um, how he looks at his art, 
you know, with photography and film and editing and in what and graphic design, etc. He has that mentality. And so that to what Mike was saying, it's just like stay connected to these people. You know what I mean? You never know like what gift they're going to un- unveil and what you guys can do together as well. Um, outside of that, I would love to take any questions. All right, we got two right here. Why don't you come up? Make your, just, just come up. Show everyone your face. Say your name, where you're from. Uh, I'm Tyler, and I'm from Sacramento, California. Um, What's up? So this isn't really for me, but uh, Anthony, I'd love you to answer this too. Um, my friends are running a really small dance company out in Sacramento. There are probably about 10 to 20 people per class. Uh, and we're like getting people from the local area, and they're teaching classes themselves. But what could they do to kind of facilitate or foster growth in like our community and the company as a whole? Anyone who I know you have the marketing and sales experience, so I thought. Give me that. Shit. <laughs> no, I'm just that's a great question. Um, my my first thought, uh, without truly understanding the scope of the market out there. My first thought, uh, I always have to ask myself what the demand is. You know what I mean? After like understanding the market research, I'm always trying to ask myself, what's the actual demand? Like honestly, the reason why we're even sitting here is because for years, we'd be going out to Europe and Asia doing these giant dance competitions and camps. And be like, why the freak doesn't LA have this? You know what I mean? For years, like uh, even, even the, the, especially for our urban dance community, like things like Vibe or Body Rock or Ultimate Brawl or, or Fusion or all these things, there'll be these giant events and hundreds of people will come together for one day. And that was it. Everybody bounced after that. There would be no like intensives. There would be no week-long dance camp. There would be no jam. There would be no, you know what I'm saying? But we were doing this in every other country. So it was like, yo, we got to bring this to LA. And it doesn't matter how much it costs us or how much work it is or, or how long it, it will make positive ripples of impact and eventually this is going to spread the culture in a way that makes sense. So like that was, an, that was something that we took a risk on thinking and understanding the demand and I feel like even for you, whether, I don't know if it was Sacramento or San Jose? Sacramento. Sacramento. Um, I think you should definitely ask yourself what it is that your community seeks and, and that will be a starting point to understand what you want to do as, in terms of fulfillment because you need to be doing things with purpose. You know what I mean? Sometimes purpose, if you don't have it for yourself, find a purpose for others. And, and that might be your, your purpose. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like, with, again, without understanding the scope out there, just ask yourself, what does this community need? And then see if that helps answer your question. Cool. Young lady. Name, where you're from. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm from Connecticut, just outside of Manhattan. Uh, my question is actually for you, Lee J. I was curious what sparked your interest in dance management and how you kind of transitioned from being a dancer into what you're doing now. Great question. I'm, I am the most reluctant dance manager on the planet. <laughs> Meaning I, I did not set out to be a manager by any means. I... Um, when I was a young dancer, I, I was an industry dancer. There was no YouTube. Uh, maybe there was a YouTube, but people weren't, dancers weren't brands. Dancers were backup to artists. That, and artists, singing artists were brands. Um, and, but at, at a very, very young time at my, in my dance career, um, and I was, I was a late bloomer too. I, it wasn't like, I graduated college and 
I um, just moved to LA, and ironically, I got picked up by Block Talent Agency, and they just sent me out on auditions that I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and very quickly, though, in the industry game, I learned very, I learned fast that um, man, this is way more competitive than celebratory and it and it took away the love for dance that I had and um, but one thing that I did love um, more than my personal feelings was like the people that I was with and you know um, I loved the the dancer and so um, I asked myself I was like man if I my vision was I just want to be a happy human being in life and dance was the thing that made me happiest um, and being around dancers made me very happy. I realized that if I didn't want to dance, that this is where the burning question started and this is the same burning question that I, that I ask today and that is, um, what is, how do dancers create a sustainable life dancing? without dancing. What is this art of dancing without dancing? And, um, and so um, my journey by just having that simple question has always led me to volunteer to dancers, like whatever I could do. And um, I have more or less like a, um, a gift of curiosity. And so I love kind of like figuring out unique ways of doing marketing and or representing things um, and or people. And so I actually just started, uh, one of the first things was <clears throat> doing a marketing campaign for uh, the Beat Freaks when they were competing on America's Best Dance Crew. And um, I was, I, I had no clue what online stuff was, but I created, helped them create like an online campaign. Through that, they were the ones that asked me um, after the show, would you be open to managing us? And I was like, I don't know anything about managing, but I know this guy named Arnel Calvario who managed Kaba Modern does. Um, if, he, if he's willing to do it, I'll help him. And so that's how we started. Um, that's how I started managing. It was through that, um, being on the road with the Beat Freaks for a year, um, we did a corporate gig with the Jabberwockies. And from that meeting um, and that gig with the Jabberwockies, uh, they were going to—they were just about to start their, their um, a short-term Las Vegas residency. Um, and I literally volunteered myself, and I said, "Hey, um, can I help out with anything that you guys need?" And they said, "We need help with like marketing, like street team marketing for our show." And so I put together like a campaign to help them market their show. And the campaign was so simple. It was like, let's put dancers on the outside of the hotels, like entrances, with flyers dressed as, you know, with a mask on, with a Jabberwocky three-stack shirt. And that was to, like, to, the, to market people to the show. Um, after that first run of the show, the president of the company was just like, hey, we don't have a lot of people that, that do administrative or any kind of, like, um, operational things for dancers or like in this space and so he's like would you be willing to come on as a show manager because we're being asked to come back again and from there 
um, you know, fast forward, I'm like, uh, grew through different roles and then I started managing the Jabberwockies, managed the Jabberwockies for four years and that's where Ben and I created a really good relationship and also Mike was one of the swing dancer, or one of the cast dancers in, in the original show. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, and then, and so basically it's been one of those things, I didn't necessarily ask for it, but, um, and that's why it's but, so important what they're, what they're saying. But you did ask for it. You but know I did saying? ask like, for that's it. That's the difference. Um, I just asked to be around dancers. I just wanted to be around that spirit, and I just wanted to serve that. So that's it, folks. I know this episode was a little bit different from our normal show, show format, but I think uh, that's what's really cool about this show. We, we can literally do whatever we want. I think this is actually just a very valuable talk. Uh, I know a lot of the questions that we get from our listeners um, are things surrounding dance and turning it into a business. So hopefully some of what we talked about today is helpful to you guys. Um, if this is providing value to you guys out there, please, all we ask that you do is share it. Tag us on all your social media. We're Kinja's Podcast with a K on Instagram, Twitter. We're on Facebook. Please get on your, your podcast app. Leave us a rating. Five stars are always nice. Leave us a review. Um, all that stuff helps us get visibility on the podcast charts. And please keep sending those DMs. I love reading what uh, what everybody's learning from each episode. I love regramming all those things. For the detailed show notes, they're up on the website, kinjas.com slash podcast. And all of the cool little things that we talk about in each episode are highlighted in those things. So thank you guys again for listening, for following the journey, and let's keep rocking. Kinja Bright.